Hello, how's it, and welcome to 3-Bit Design, where we break down some of the most influential games into the three bits that we think defined them the most. I'm Tristan. I'm Oliver. And we are joined today by... Amy! Hi! Yes, hey. and because of Amy, <laughs> today we are talking about Guild Wars 2. Mm. I love that there's always a sound cue from Oliver now, I've mm. noticed. <laughs> a reminder very quickly that there will be spoilers for the game in some capacity, mostly from Amy, I reckon, because I think Amy has far more time in the game than we do. Just yes. a little over 1,300 hours spent Oof. in the game? Ah, you know, it's just some time. Just Don't tell my mother. Time. <laughs> <laughs> the structure of the podcast, if you're new here, is... We'll give a brief introduction or context to what the game is, and then we will tackle three bits or topics uh, of discussion. For today, they have been suggested and corralled, I suppose, by Amy, who is the person who knows the most about this game and the whole reason, uh, it's actually not the whole reason we asked you to come on, we just uh, wanted you here <laughs> and would have liked to talk to you about stuff. And we said, Amy, if you could talk about a game, what would it be? And you chose this. I did. And I realized that compared to the other games you guys normally talk about, this is possibly looking like an odd choice. This is no game of the year, I'm sure. It is not the artistic masterpiece that uh, many of the games you guys have discussed before is. But I find this strange 10-year-old MMO that is weirdly bloated and full of all the usual baggage of free-to-play endlessly fascinating. I find some of the game design decisions really interesting to study and uh as i said i've spent a tremendous amount of time playing in this game i'm excited and i think that is an excellent reason yeah and it, it's also cool because we would have never chosen this game so <laughs> that's like the fun of bringing someone on we just we just go go wild yeah man well thank you so thank you actually off the top of the the thing thanks amy for taking the time and for joining us yeah it's my pleasure Thanks for having me. Let's dive in then, shall we? I will tackle the intro and then I'll hand over to Amy for the first bit. Guild Wars 2 is a free-to-play massively multiplayer online role-playing game. It was developed by ArenaNet. It's published by NCSoft. It is the fourth major entry in the Guild Wars series and claims to be unique in the MMO genre by featuring a storyline that is responsive to player actions something which is common in single-player role-playing games but rarely seen in multiplayer ones. As a sequel to Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2 features the same lack of subscription fees that distinguished its predecessor from other commercially developed online games of the time, though until it was August 2015, a purchase was still required to install the game. Luckily, <laughs> I think when Oliver and, Oliver and I installed this game, uh, some time ago to test and prepare for this recording, it was already free. <laughs> That's great. The game sold over 2 million copies in its first two weeks, and by August 2015, over 5 million copies had been sold, at which point the base game became free to play. The only other thing I will say for an introduction uh, by way of sort of setting is that it is set in the fantasy world of Tyria, I think you would pronounce it that way. I think I've heard that it pronounced correct. that way. <laughs> I suddenly looked at the word and I was like, oh no, what if, what if I'm saying it wrong? <laughs> the game takes place in a persistent world with a story that progresses in instanced environments. That is 
my brief intro to Guild Wars 2. Was there anything else either of you would like to add by way of context? Um, is the, the, the base version is capped at level 80, is that right? The whole game is, is capped at level 80. Uh, oh, you uh, proceed up to level 80 as part of the core content and with the release of the uh, Heart of Thorns expansion, the game moved into what it calls Mastery Points, which gives you access to new unique abilities. Once you hit level 80, you tend to focus on the acquisition of Mastery Points as your general progression. Very interesting. Splendid. Well, in that case, if there's nothing further to give for the introduction or the description, I think, if you would both permit it, we can proceed to bit number one. Let me then talk about it. So in your introduction, Tristan, you spoke about a couple of the unique selling points of the game. A number of them are not so unique and certainly don't look terribly unique in 2022. When I picked up the game in 2014, the USP that drew me to it was the aspect of cooperative play, that the game placed very little emphasis on PvP. Everything was designed so that you played together with either your friends or strangers. So the core of that is obviously in the name of the game. The game is based on the idea of guilds. Uh, you can join guilds, form guilds, play together with guilds. But what really drew me to Guild Wars 2 as opposed to any other game was the fact that you tended to cooperate with total strangers out in the game world. And we can talk about lots of different aspects of that, but the tiny little game design decision that they made in Guild Wars 2 that endlessly fascinates me and I think embodies this really neatly is something very obscure, and I'm gonna to try to break it down. The basis of it is this, mesmers can help you cheat at jumping puzzles. Okay, what the hell does any of that mean? Uh, first of all, <laughs> jumping puzzles. Uh, in Guild Wars, you have access to jumping puzzles. These are areas of the game where there is something that is very difficult to reach, usually because you have to jump across gaps to reach it. There are various mechanics in the game that can make it easier to get from point A to point B. With the Heart of Thorns expansion, they released Gliding, with the Path of Fire expansion and Living World season four, I think. They released mounts that could fly, all of which would theoretically make it much easier to get to the points that jumping puzzles try to get you to. However, to stop you from uh, cheating your way out of the fun, those abilities are disabled around jumping puzzles. Aha. But there is an ability that is allowed in that context. So uh, like in many fantasy games, uh, Guild Wars 2 lets you choose a profession, or in other games, what would be called a class. One of those professions is the Mesmer, which is a magic user that focuses on sort of confusion and illusion. But the Mesmer has the ability to create portals. They can go to point A, create a portal, move to point B, create another portal, and then anybody can move between point A and point B. Right. This allows a Mesmer to get to the end of the jumping puzzle, create a portal, go to the beginning of the jumping puzzle, create another portal, and allow everyone to cheat their way to the end of the jumping puzzle. Mm -hmm. 
and this is not disabled. Which I think is a very interesting decision, and the game could very easily have gone the way of disabling the portals around jumping puzzles, but they decided not to. And I think this creates one of the one of my favorite moments of cooperative play, which is that mesmers help you get to the end of a jumping puzzle. People yeah. will sit there and they will help out new players to get there. If a jumping puzzle is part of the daily activities that the game provides, then there will be someone sitting there all day, maybe with some food laid out or some potions available, <laughs> and they will just taxi people from the beginning of the jumping puzzle to the end. In the server that I play, uh, it's usually a guild called Pink, that are pretty reliably there every time. And it creates this little moment of cooperation between players that I think just embodies the game really neatly. And people do this all the time. There are other abilities that let you teleport from one place to another. And if you see someone trying to get to a place in Guild Wars 2 and you can help them, you usually do. And I think that's a pretty rare experience in multiplayer games that this spirit of helpfulness really pervades throughout the game. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't know that that was the the depth of this actual topic, and I think that is fascinating. I'm so glad you highlighted that. There's something in it that reminds me of what's that gamer's name? Is it Elden Ring? The person who was going around just yes. let me solo them. Or let something. me solo her. Yeah. 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 Um, that just for the purpose of saying, cool, I'll I'll help you out here, which was surprising to me, uh, not being in the Dark Souls community, as it were. It sounds in a similar vein, this idea of positive community within a game play. Which is something that's incredibly hard to achieve. Most multiplayer game spaces become incredibly toxic. And I really admire certain game decisions that they've made that, that really force you to, uh, or, or at least encourage you to help one another out. There's other aspects that are like this, such as, uh, you know, you have map tagging abilities where you can create a little tag on yourself, either a mentor tag or a squad tag, and we can go into the specifics of what all of that means. But most of the time, people just do it to say, hey, there's an event over here that you might be interested in, or I might be able to help you out if you're a new player, or hey, I need help over here with this event. And people use these little signals to ask and offer help. Very cool. Yeah, I really, um, just a Mesmer portal type thing, I, I really like when games do, especially multiplayer games, when you do things like that where you can kind of, you kind of form connections and bonds with other players by not saying anything. Mm. Um, especially like what you said, now you know the, was it the pink clan? The pink clan's usually reliable. Yeah, they're always people there. to go there. If you like you might have never actually messaged them or anything, but just like just seeing their clan tag and, and seeing the characters around, it's kind of like a nice reliable go to thing in the world where you you kind of form this bond with these people even though you possibly never have never say talked a word. to them. Yeah. I think that's really nice. And Amazing. I should have Amazing. I should have picked a mesmer now that I think. <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight. It's not the easiest new player profession. I, I wouldn't yeah, recommend it as your first. <laughs> ah. Well, I think there is that okay, so that's an amazing out of the gate uh, bit. Uh, Amy, was there anything else you wanted to highlight within that topic before we progress any further? No, I think that uh, that covers it. 
stupendous. Oliver, any two cents from you? Uh, just to sort of add on that, like I think it kind of, um, I think it's like, do you know the game Sky, Children of the Light? Um, one of yes, that, that was game from the companies. same people that made Journey. Yeah. Uh, in that game, you also, there's no like, it kind of reminds me in that game, there's no like text chat or anything, but uh, it's kind of wholesome communication through, uh, kind of like in Journey when you shout um, to the other player and that sort of communication without actually saying anything. I think things like that where the mechanics kind of drive that communication, it's, it's really nice. Um, nice yeah. way to bring communities together while not sort of... Because once you introduce sort of forced communication through text uh, or speech, then it's so easily becomes like a toxic community and things like that. Um, and just by having these mechanical ways to communicate, that sort of brings makes for a much more wholesome experience in the end, I find. Bravo. And with that wholesome finale, <laughs> shall we conclude bit number one? Let's. Let's do it. Yeah. Off to bit number two. Boom. I think that's, uh, the floor is yours, Oliver. Oof. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just, just as a, a prefix if i say anything wrong about the game or anything be interested and we kind of we kind of jumped on it together a little bit um on one of the weekends for an hour or two um, i think it would be interesting to bit. see like what was your experience of it as, as an old player i think i've forgotten a lot of what uh the game feels like at the beginning yeah i can imagine yeah um so yeah i played about uh two three hours of it i'd say um a little bit co-op with Tristan and a little bit by myself so uh, I've got a little bit of two perspectives here um, so yeah bit number two we wanted to talk about um, the dynamic events in Guild Wars 2 so specifically not just quests that you sort of get assigned as part of a core story but also just quests that happen throughout the world um, that you stumble upon um, interestingly playing playing it reminded and these type of um, emergent quest systems kind of reminded me of um, Elden Ring, like you already said, Elden Ring, but mm. it, it kind of also reminded me of Elden Ring in a way. I feel like a lot of the Elden Ring world design was a little bit inspired by games like this, where it kind of, I feel like similar to Elden Ring in this world, you, you're kind of encouraged to explore and there's a lot of, a lot of points of interest lying about. It's a large world, but every sort of corner and space feels unique like you might discover something new and it pushes you to go there in a similar system as Elden Ring they also have these um, uh, you kind of like semi guided around the world through these like beacons that act as places you can teleport to in Guild Wars 2 because um, sometimes when you're just walking around there's like a little marker even in the top right that says that points you towards the nearest beacon as like something you can uh, do as your next thing um, and in Elden Ring you obviously have the campfires which then kind of um, guide you towards the next campfire so I felt like a, a little bit of a similarity there which was interesting um, so yeah the the thing about the dynamic events um, I thought it was super cool that so it's very non-hand-holding this game it's very sort of loose kind of a little bit overwhelming potentially <laughs> kind of oh, yeah. 
kind of get thrown into the deep end. Um, you don't really you there's there's cutscenes to do with the main story, uh, which we'll touch on um, a little bit in the next part potentially as well. Yeah. Um, but there is so there's there's sort of the main story which you follow, but then other than that, you're kind of in this world and you're left to figure it out on your own. Um, yeah. yeah. You gonna say something? <laughs> I think Feel the free to jump in. event system is is very interesting. A, a lot of the marketing material like calls it an emergent system. I think that's maybe a little generous uh, mm. in today's world to call it an emergent system, given the kinds of uh, technology technological shifts that we've seen in emergent game systems. Mm. But the the events do have this dynamic quality where they start regardless of what's happening. And the expectation is that you'll wander into an event, possibly an event that other players are already completing, and you will participate with other players in these events. It might be an event that you can complete on your own if you're the only one there. It might be something that is a group event where you have to get other people to join in. And that's where like the uh, squad and mentor tags come in that you will ask people for help yeah i think that ties back really nicely to the cooperation of everything where you kind of trigger this thing and it's within a larger area where everyone can start sort of working together towards it i think it also allows quite a nice balance away from super grindy quests Hmm. i think uh which is not to say that Guild Wars 2 is not a very grindy game. It is a very grindy game uh, when you get into it. And I, it happens to be a kind of grind that I like. But uh, I don't think I've ever been asked to get 10 rat skins from any character. It's always <laughs> get some rat skins for this character. And you can participate as much or as little as you like. Um, the event will scale depending on how many players are contributing to it at a given moment doesn't always scale perfectly there's some lopsidedness in that um but you don't have to grind if you don't want to Mm. that's nice yeah what i also like about those sort of area triggered quests is they usually um like you say they kind of prevent the grind by allowing different routes to completion yeah um so you can either disable traps or you can uh kill the horde or whatever there's like different ways to approach Complete, completing that area absolutely uh, which is very nice and as you uh get further and further into the game those kinds of world quests become really complicated and and very very interesting i, I don't think you guys have played long enough to fight uh <laughs> to quaddle or uh mordramoth um nope. really big <laughs> bad guys <laughs> yeah uh you might have heard of mordramoth as you're wandering around the world but uh you haven't fought him yet mordramoth is the the arch villain from the heart of thorns expansion really great uh really great uh, expansion incredibly difficult um to quaddle is a what they call a world bus which is a, a bus that happens on a timer pretty regularly several times a day um mm. there's also the jungle worm which are uh, very intensive, difficult bosses that require a lot of cooperation and a lot of working together. Um, Sometimes that's where the friendliness of the game breaks down because boy, do people get mad when you do the wrong thing. Um, (laughs) And I I think I've seen those bosses defeated once, at least to Quaddle I've seen defeated once. I don't think I've ever seen the jungle worm defeated, but more from lack of engaging with it. 
that they, they get increasingly complex. And the fact that you can participate as much or as little as you like, that you can participate in different ways, gets used in very interesting gameplay. The jungle worm, I think, is particularly interesting and it uses a mechanic that they've repeatedly used several times, which is you have to defeat three different bad guys all within a similar time frame of each other. So you have mm. to coordinate across the map with other people, um, with total oh, strangers. Wow. Uh, makes for a very interesting game. That sounds tricky. <laughs> Usually yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, so yeah, so in terms of just sort of back to the topic in terms of sort of the dynamic events where it the way it's kind of pushes you the kind of the main story kind of drives you towards a certain direction but then these events being triggered in the world around you kind of drive you to exploring things and as you said you can you can kind of decide to engage with something or not engage with something and i think that's i think that's largely what kind of makes a little bit emergent gameplay mm -hmm. driven i find i feel like because you're not forced to engage with these things, but these things kind of pop up all around you. And you can, so whether you're then alone or with a party, uh, whatever you then decide to engage on will kind of make for, at least in the beginning of the game, no two play sessions feel entirely the same. Because, for example, I was playing by myself earlier and um, I thought it was a really cool thing. I, I was I was chasing sort of a main area quest and then I came across this kid who was collecting scraps for scraps of armor to build snowmen to scare off enemies. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll help this kid. I, I grabbed I grabbed the things and I gave them to him. And then after that, you kind of like complete that part of the quest. So you don't necessarily need to do anything at that point. Um, but I saw the kid run off and I was like, I kind of want to see where this guy, like, is he actually going to build this snowman now? And so I followed him and then he was actually sort of setting up this army of snowmen. And then what was really cool, what then happened was these enemies came around the corner, this little army of enemies, and then you could see them chatting and they said, oh no, they we're outnumbered. Um, <laughs> we better run away. And then they run back behind this rock. And then sort of the, the boss of them, come, who wasn't part of that first pack, comes back around with one of the guys from the first pack and he was like, see, they have this army now. And then the boss is like, they're, that's not an army. They're <laughs> they're just props. And then and then the boss kind of it's like a shaman, and it turns the whole army of snowmen into actual enemies. And then I s suddenly had to fight those enemies. So it was kind of like a cool thing that I was kind of like sidetracked, not expecting anything to happen there, but it like led to another quest, which was that's really sort neat. Of super cool. I don't think yeah. I've ever followed that kid. <laughs> <laughs> It was really cool. I didn't expect to like actually see, like actually seeing the monsters come around and have this like dialogue with, like being scared of this army and stuff was really cool. I didn't expect that. That's really that neat. <laughs> um, so yeah, and so I think these things popping around in the world, and then I could have, as you said, like you never followed the kid. I could have not followed the kid, and it would have been a whole different story than I did follow the kid, and it kind of sort of builds up. That that's kind of the nice way that I'm now able to sort of talk about it uh, to you where it's um, my own sort of experience of the game which is cool I feel like it does seem like similar events get triggered a lot in the same area 
Absolutely. Like now that I'm staying there longer, so I do feel like that feeling will fade the more I play. But um, but uh, going in the first time, I definitely and I think also that happening so much in the same area is another driver to sort of push you out of this area and keep exploring the rest of the world, which is another positive point in that sense. Definitely. So. Like as you explore different maps, um, you will you will get more and more content. Some maps you'll mm. get to know pretty well, especially the early levels. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know that kid. So <laughs> there's still something out there for me to find. Yeah, I don't know that kid. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yeah, uh, Oliver, cool any things. other points on that bit? No, I think it's a uh, it's a very co- it's especially considering sort of how old this game is now. I think they do some good sort of cool things that you can definitely see. Like like I said, games like Elden Ring, they're kind of picking up on these things and repurposing them, which is which is cool. Nice. nice. Well, excellent. I think as a possible glue between bit number two and a bit number three to come, the only contribution I'm making in this entire <laughs> uh, episode will be something that's already already been mentioned quite a bit, and it's the concept or the idea or the elemental presence of other players. And to me, that's mm. what the dynamic event system that I've observed from playing with you, Oliver, uh, did differently from traditional questing. I think we were just running around, we went into a cave, and I wasn't sure what we were doing there at first, and then all of a sudden five other players were there, there were things spawning, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to die, we need to defend ourselves, and you know, the story progressed, and I think uh, I luckily stumbled upon uh, a quote in a book called MMOs from the Inside Out, it's by Richard Bartle. Uh, this is me trying to find any sort of <laughs> like design research uh, done on MMOs. And there's a chapter on you know, the design of MMOs. And he points out the first thing a new player may note when trying to describe to a friend what an MMO is, is the other players. And it's this idea of this persistent world that I'm running around in that yourself, Oliver, or you, Amy, are running around in as well. And all these other strangers that could do all sorts of things. The thing for me that felt like this event system and this questing system being more dynamic is probably for want of a better word FOMO and very much (laughs) this sheep following concept of I could be running around picking flowers in this wonderful virtual world and there'll just be a horde of people going in one direction and I'll go yeah all right let me see what's going on there (laughs) and off you go and you go get embroiled in some sort of quest to defeat a dragon and that just felt really interesting to me so that's Mm. my two cents observed from the little bit that I've played. I definitely remember my first moment like that playing, uh, my first character was human, so I started out on the Queensdale map and suddenly um, found a group of players and wound up in the I think it is called the Shadow Behemoth world boss which is I think every two hours the shadow behemoth spawns in the god lost swamp and very suddenly all these players around me probably about 100 players because uh, the world bosses are incredibly popular the uh, this sudden moment where I'm trying to figure out what on earth is going on why are all these people here the camera pa- like pans backwards and very suddenly there's uh, this spawning giant monster coming out of the swamp that we all uh, fought and defeated it was definitely a, like a big moment for me of like oh there there's a lot more to this game than the like little quests that I had been doing until that moment Rad. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, good. all of our experiences, so marvelous, so unique. I guess, uh, you know, tech 
into ArenaNet. Does that lead us to bit number three? Yeah, compartmentalizing playstyles. Okay, so I think this really speaks to the age of this game, right? This is a 10-year-old MMO. It's massive. It's lopsided. There are bits of it that are unbalanced. There are lots of things that are very confusing for new players. It's overwhelming. There's so much going on. A lot of it is mediocre. So much of it is good. It's a strange, strange beast of a game. And something I really admire or I, I think like like about the way the game has handled it is the way it has compartmentalized different aspects of play almost essentially right you can't have everything happening at once so what you guys have played so far will be the pve or open world and the personal story so the open world is just generally the maps in which you are running around completing quests encountering world bosses dealing with other players the personal story is instanced where you will like get your own little uh, sub portion of the game where you can either on your own or with your party go through aspects of the story and the story is all about you and you are the commander of uh, the pact I think I, I'm sorry I'm completely forgetting the names of the factions in this game I wish we could help you but we are in no <laughs> yeah. way equipped to do so you, you follow this story in which you are dealing with one world ending threat after another initially dragons later I think there's a god at one point I, the world's always ending in this in this game and you're always the one person who saves it um, so those are the sort of most beginner friendly aspects of the game and they'll be what most players encounter it's definitely the part of the game that I spend the most time on but there are lots and lots of different things that are happening in the game that are all compartmentalized into their own spaces so this is primarily a cooperative game but there are pvp elements to it so there is the player versus player experience where you can go into a squad of a couple of people and you kill the other squad of people either strangers that you get paired with or uh, friends that you form a party with there's also the world versus world which is this massive eternal battleground in which your server is fighting for control over the map against two other servers <laughs> Um, oh, is that the, that's like the war one. Yeah. I think I watched some gameplay about that. Almost yeah, that certainly. It's it's absolutely crazy. I've played a little bit of it. I'm extremely bad at it. It's very overwhelming. <laughs> uh, there are also a number of um, cooperative gameplay mechanics that are designed to be done in a group where you can't play it on your own. So there are dungeons and fractals and raids and there's another new one that's just come out and I can't remember what it's called and they're all basically some version of you go into a place and you fulfill some kind of story and you will probably die unless you have enough people with you uh, and all of those different gameplay styles exist in separate spaces and they unlock over time so you can very easily play this game without ever engaging with these more difficult, uh, less friendly styles of play that are really there for, for later users. Mm. 
But the game kind of ties this all together with the achievements system. I am an absolute geek for achievement systems. It's, it's what always draws me into a game. It has uh, stolen my life, this one. And basically, gradually, as you try to tick up your achievements, you will have to start exploring these other aspects of play. And you can ignore them for as long as you don't care about those achievements. But, you know, there's this, like, spoon collection achievement that I've been working on for ages. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I, I have to go into this one fractal in order to get that spoon. So, sure, you know, I'll try well, to figure out what fractals are and, and how to play them. Uh, or... I think you, you and Oliver being in the same place right now is fortuitous because I think you have the same sentiment when it comes to <laughs> yeah, that's true. playing games. <laughs> I probably wouldn't do it with an MMO, but <laughs> when it comes to 100% completing games. Oh, this, I, I don't want to think about the amount of time and money you'd have to spend to 100% Guild Wars 2. <laughs> um, I wonder if anyone out there has achieved it. I doubt it. Mm. There's also you know, many niche activities within the game. Uh, there's a crafting system, which is semi-elaborate. I enjoy it, especially the legendary crafting is, is quite a fun kind of grind to engage with if that is your jam. Uh, there are different sort of activities that happen, which are like little sport and racing mini games. Racing itself is quite an activity in the game. There are a number of yes. races focused around the mounts that were released with the uh, Path of Fire. Mm. Uh, one little snippet that I saw on Twitter at one point, there's a mount which is called the Roller Beetle, and it basically goes very, very fast and is hard to control. Mm. I, saw, I saw someone have that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there are racetracks. Uh, within the game that you can play on but you can also buy pieces of racetracks for your guild hall so you can create a racetrack in your guild mm. hall no. and people do that I saw a tournament that was being run on Twitter where you could go and you could compete in this tournament of this roller beetle racing track so just the, the amount of like niche content that is <laughs> just behind a door if you if you get curious enough to explore it, this game is big and it is so messy and it is so complicated and I just I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think I think you sort of raise a good point about like also how you're saying those sort of larger PvP elements and such get revealed later on in the game. I have found like as I was leveling up, they kind of highlight milestones of stuff you unlock. At certain levels, yeah, like um, even even just crafts and stuff like uh, weapon smithing and stuff like that, you don't unlock it till like level ten and such. So they kind of they do quite a nice job at like pacing you. Like it's still quite overwhelming, <laughs> but they <laughs> yeah. do a, but they do a pretty decent job at sort of not throwing it all at, at you at once, which a lot of JRPGs might do, which um, which I I did I did quite like. And it's something, um, also, that they're, oh, sorry. it's something that they're developing and getting better at over time. This, the mm. game was just re-released on Steam quite recently. And in the build-up to that, you could see a lot of experimentation that they were doing on the onboarding systems of the game. They released a bunch of new achievements which were designed to sort of help users mm. experience little parts of the game bit by bit. Um, 
and it was neat to see them sort of trying to trying to make this game a little friendlier for for the hordes of new players who were going to turn up yeah it's always tricky I, i did i did sort of see there was this the first i came to this city and then there was this portal to a christmas event or something oh yeah um, it's winter <laughs> it's winter day at the moment is that yeah. what it's called i can't remember something like that yeah, and, I, and i went in there and then I sort of launched this this activity and I was way out leveled. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. The events there was no can barriers be there. a lot. They're they're designed <laughs> to be very intensive and require a lot from even experienced players. Mm. So if you experience them as as a new player, it's uh so, it's yeah, very there, confusing. There is some fatui going on, but there is also some just go for it see what happens <laughs> <laughs> type of stuff going on i yeah. also just on like the compartmentalizing play styles I, i did find it quite interesting that when you're playing the main story quests uh just those beats when so you're kind of in the server world while you're traveling across and such but then when you're actually hitting the story beats it takes you to its own instance of the server yeah that's right um, where it kind of takes you out of the server um and it and it allows you kind of to have that narrative pacing and such with the cutscenes where you're not being randomly disrupted by enemies and such, I guess, and, and events being triggered. So it's quite nice how they kind of separate that. And it almost feels like a more linear single player game at that point. Um, Definitely. Versus, and, and you don't, I don't think you have to do those main story quests either. So you could just focus on, on finding the stuff in the world and, and exploring and such. No, I, um, I, I almost think of the personal story as kind of the onboarding of the game. Oh, so uh, it kind of forces you eventually? No, it, it absolutely doesn't. You can you cannot engage oh, okay. with it. But by engaging with it, you start to learn a lot about the mm. game and how it works. Right, right, right. But I did find it, it was interesting to me that they kind of really make that almost like a single player drive by actually taking you out of the server and such, which, which was quite nice, like... It, it sort of like caters to everyone's favorite playstyle in that way, which is cool. Yeah. Amazing. I think as uh, the person who is very happy to be listening to the both of you and could not be happier that you are both uh, talking about game design things, I think we may have to compartmentalize this bit and conclude. Let's. Let's do it. Amazing. Well, that wraps it up for our three bits around Guild Wars 2 that Amy has led us into. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was great. My pleasure. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank you for letting me geek out about this game. (laughs) Oh, no, it's uh, beyond a pleasure. And what's more is this brings us to the finale of our first season of doing this. Can you believe it? We said, Oliver, when we first came up with this silly idea (laughs) that we would like to do this once a month and therefore we need to at least try a year and see how we do. Can we do 12? This is the 12th episode and Amy, we are so glad that you could be here with us to mark this occasion. Oh, it's my honor. Yeah, it's a nice nice round off. Stupendous. Before we round off for uh, almost it in perpetuity, that's not true, but uh, before we round off just for tonight, uh, there is a thing we like to do at the end of the episode is find out what everyone is playing right now that is not Guild Wars 2. So we won't go to you first, Amy, just in case that is something I've sprung on you because I don't think I told you that. Uh, but we'll we'll go to Oliver quickly. What are you playing right can now? I, can I just ask a quick question? You said there's, did you say there's four Guild Wars games? Uh, there's two, uh, there's uh, three expansions. Oh, okay, okay. So, so there's the Guild Wars 1, five. Guild Wars 2, and the expansion. There's, <laughs> there's not like a spin-off. 
I don't think there's an announcement yet, but it looks very much like they might be working on a third. We're all mm. sort of eyeing the careers board and speculating. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. No, that was it was fun to sort of talk about a wholly different game that was normally something we'd, we wouldn't tackle out of out of scope. <laughs> having the knowledge from someone that's played a lot of hours in it's, it, it's been great. Uh, always a pleasure to introduce Scope Creep, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on what I've been playing, um, I have jumped... I started playing um, Immortality on the Xbox Game Pass, which is um, a new game from Sam Barlow... New at the time of recording... <laughs> from Sam Barlow, uh, I think something Mermaid Studio. It looks so excellent. Are you enjoying it? Yes, it's uh, it's it kind of um, also throws you in the deep end a little bit. The game it's 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 a game where you sort of you have clips of um, actual films and TV shows and such, um, and also behind the scenes clips, and you're following this uh, this crew and actors. Um, there is this one main character, actress, that um, there is a mystery that happens to her throughout. I w- like. There's a lot to be spoiled, so <laughs> I'll keep it quite vague. But there's basically <laughs> this one actress which you're sort of looking at, um, and every scene you can click on a person, uh, and you can pause and rewind and such to sort of investigate the frames. Um, and then you can click on an item or a person and it will kind of zoom in and then zoom back out on a different clip with the same person. And so you start collecting this library of different clips and such um, and then try and figure out what's happened there, which is cool. I haven't gotten very far yet, but I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Amazing. And also playing a lot of God of War Ragnarok, but um, we already talked about that enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Amy, what about you? I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn again, actually. I uh, have resumed an attempt to complete it on Ultra Hard. I'm not normally an Ultra Hard player, but I really like this game, and I'm really enjoying it. Mm. I'm remembering why I love it. That's been impressive. I don't think I have ever played a game on Ultra Hard. I don't think so so either. Unless I was forced onto it with no difficulty settings. It's the only game where I I think it's worth it. What what are the big dinosaur robot fights like when it's set so high a difficulty? Mm. I die all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I've been uh, fighting the Stormbird. I can't remember its name. Mm. Um, And uh, basically I boot up and I die. And I die again, <laughs> and then I close it, and I <laughs> go play Guild Wars. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's, it's uh, bringing you joy. Uh, from my side, very uh, quickly, as you know, Oliver, I'm also still playing God of War Ragnarok, mm-hmm. so it is a non-mention for here. But most recently, I guess, uh, as I was just telling Amy earlier, is Tailspire has been a quote-unquote game that I've had uh, on my computer from steam uh yeah just recommended for anyone who's into playing tabletop games i reckon uh, myself and my party i guess my players are preparing for our next campaign so everyone was building characters and i was setting up the maps in tailspire and it just looks very pretty and i'm yet to run an actual game in it so i'll let you know once that happens <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's actually like a tabletop D 
D&D type of... Yeah, it's just setup. a virtual tabletop, but mm. um, I think it's, at least that I can tell, the most similar to what a DM might do around the table when they say, and roll for initiative, and then they run away, and then they come back with like this big old map that has real mm. physical buildings right. and little <laughs> minis it's on the corners. Deeply the cinematic. Version. They used yes. it on a couple of seasons of Dimension 20. Uh, really amazing. Which, if, I, if you're not watching, uh, you should be watching. because it I is should. Dimension 20 is phenomenal. excellent. It is very excellent. I think I recently watched something Abria Iyengar was DMing on that channel. It was like a one-shot. A one-shot from Abria. Yeah, uh, Serena possibly. Marie was there. Uh, Brenna Lee Mulligan was playing. And it was just, it was, oh, Becca Scott was in it Not as well. the Court of Fae and Flowers. Not that one, but I desperately want to watch that. Oh, it's so good. I realize I, we've gone on a slight tangent. I'm so sorry. So much. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about I this I don't soon, know any of these now. names, but it sounds great. <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone listening for listening. Oliver, where can people get a hold of us if they'd like to? You can find us on Twitter at 3bitdesign. As is the that, name of the show. We are out of here. Thank you very much. Have a good time of your lives. Amy, thank you so much. Oliver, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you all. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Love it that it's always out of time. It sounded really synchronized to me, so I was super proud of us. This time I also heard someone out of time, so...